Welcome to The Portion Podcast, a weekly discussion of the Torah portion of the week. I'm your host, Aaron Roller, here with my co-host, Rabbi Jonathan Wienerfeld. Very pleased to be here again with you. Yes, and I'm glad that you came back, even though we're in the midst of an exodus. That, uh, that's right. How's it going? It's going great. It's going great. How's your How's your new life as a, a, a Dafyomi Magidshi here going? Um, I, I'm a little more tired than I usually am, but it's been so great. It's been so, so exciting. We started uh, doing a Dafyomi year at the Shul uh, with the start of the new Dafyomi cycle, and it's been, it's just been wonderful. Now, I, I th- am wondering, because it seems to me, like on just, just on Facebook, it seems like lots of people are doing the Daf, and I think there's a lot of excitement and people, there'll be attrition. I hope people stick with it, but I'm sure at least some people will peel off. But it seems to me, I don't remember it being like this seven years ago, and I'm wondering if it's because of technology, if like the ability to access Shiorim online and on your phone and just there, there's so much more Torah available, um, more, you know, easily people can find it. It's it's like the OU just put up this Dafyomi app right. that people are are able to do it in a way that they weren't before. I think I think to some degree you're right in that it makes it more accessible and, and there are all these aids that are available that maybe weren't previously, but I think... I think also it's just the visibility of it. We're able to make things so visible now in a way that we weren't really able to previously. So like you see it everywhere. When there are guys in the community who are doing it, everybody else knows about it and sees it. It's just so easy to to broadcast that it's going on. Can I tell you something, though? I was thinking, and I don't think you are doing it, I think was thinking you should not record it and like put it up somewhere. There are lots of people doing, you know, Dafyomi Shurim that are elsewhere, but I, I, like, I love the idea that like, you have to be in a certain place at a certain time in order to get Rabbi Bienenfeld's Dafyomi. That's right. So, so come, all, so come to the young Israel of Israel. As far as uh, Lisbon and Rio, please note that you're going to have to come to Cherry Hill, New Jersey, in order to hear my Dafyomi. Like, like I, I like that there are things. Obviously, I like that there are things online accessible anywhere. But I like. I feel like it's cool that like. You know, yeah, you can, something about you it. can do Daf anywhere, but like this is a time and a place for this. So I've gone uh, with the middle route, which is that I'm I'm recording them all, but I haven't actually posted them. Ah, uh-huh, nice. And you really have to do it that day, or else it's exactly uh... right. So <laughs> to some degree, because there, there are some Dafyomi Shirim that are given early in the morning, and then you post it right thereafter, and other people who weren't there live can get it as early as their commute to work in the morning. Uh, we give it at eight thirty at night. It's sort of irrelevant by the time we'd be ready for for anybody to listen to and i'll tell you something which i I think wasn't intentional but i i think is pretty cool is also that you said you were going to kind of take a break while people do it on their own on the weekends and the last three weeks different community members that's uh, right shout out to Chaim blumberg primarily but other people have stepped up to uh it's been awesome to teach it which is very very cool uh, i was away i was away for a few days i was in florida for a few days and we had subs from right within the chabura which was just amazing all of that is to say don't forget about the parsha also true. <laughs> Even if you're getting very excited about Dafyomi and you're doing it every day and, and more power to you, uh, but you know, don't forget the the fact is that we're we're here and the the Torah Shebechtav, the written Torah, is is in the Aron when we're going to read it every every single Shabbos and we're here to get you ready. That's right. So Parshat Bo is this week and. We're, as I said, uh, in what was not even uh, a dad joke, it was like a, a stepdad joke uh, that we're in the middle of an exodus. Uh, <laughs> stepdad jokes. Hey, wow, it's a, a whole new a not yet ready, a not yet ready for here. fatherhood joke. Wow. Um, but anyway, so we we are in the middle of the exodus. We we finished the uh, partial last week with the seventh seven of the ten plagues, and uh, we get the, the the last three this week. Um, last week we talked about. 
this question of uh, of God hardening Pharaoh's heart, and uh, you know, the sort of classic question about about free will and is God controlling uh, Pharaoh? But I I thought it would make sense to to lay it out a little bit, lay out the stakes, um, because I I kind of I love the beginning of this week's parsha where you get political advisors, right? Where sure. they are they say to they say to the Pharaoh, "What are you thinking?" They say, "Yeah." They say, "Like, don't you realize Egypt is lost?" Like that. Like they're 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 pretty <laughs> explicit that this is not letting not letting the Israelites go is a uh, is a terrible idea, and yet it says that. Um, and 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 here's the thing, you know, it, it sounds like mysterious, like God is controlling his free will, like he's a robot, but we actually see it very very clearly. I, I love this idea that like he says the text is wonderful, or I'm just going to paraphrase, but Paro basically says, "Oh yeah, you can go, uh, you know, go go. I'm going to give it to you. My you know my advisors are telling me I've got to let you go, so you know go for it." But who's going? Like, like there's this, you know, you can, it, there's, there's no punctuation in the Torah, but you like sort of imagine ellipsis, right? <laughs> like he's, he goes, Hey, when you say you're going, who's, who's actually going? <laughs> and you're like, why is he even asking? Why does he even care? Um, you know, his, his advisors have just told him and he should see for himself that the whole, the whole thing is doomed. And yet he, after they tell him, oh, we're taking everybody. Uh, you know, the old, the young, the men, the women, we're, we're all going. He says, no, for, that's that's too much. And then he does it again. And so then you get the, the locust. And then he asks him to pray to get the locust out in the mo- in the strongest terms. And then, then the same thing happens again. He goes, okay, you can all go. Just keep your flocks here. <laughs> and, and Moshe goes, no, we, we might need the flocks. We don't know. You know, we don't know what we're going to need when we get out to the wilderness. And again, Paro just stops it and and it, you know, and, and then they have the, the the plague of darkness. So it's it's uh, I would say that we are seeing sort of how this heart hardening is is playing out, and what it looks like to me is um, a play for control, right? Like he has to control something, like just just leave your flock, just like give me, you know, the one thing. Like uh, you know, I feel like this is something that happens as a parent a lot of times, where you you know you realize that the argument you're getting into with your child is really not worth having, but you need to maybe try to maintain some degree of parental authority. So you say, okay, all right, just, just do this one thing and then I'll, I'll let you go play. Cause really you don't, you don't mind your kid you going to you play, <laughs> but you, but you need to, you need them to know that you're in charge. So I, you know, it seems like Paro just wants Moshe to know that, that he's in charge. So I came across a very interesting, and I don't remember whose comment it was, but a very interesting one a few years ago which is that, you know, you mentioned that there are these advisors at the beginning of the Parsha, and then they just they just disband, and we don't hear from them anymore, which is odd. So where do they go? And, right, what's all the back and forth over the kids and the animals? And it seems that, theologically, that what the Egyptians had a very uh, hard time wrapping their head around, or, or, or what they believed, was that perhaps... If the Jews could get themselves out of Egypt, or if they would send the Jews out of Egypt, then the Jewish God may well be able to take over, and he may be able to keep them out of Egypt, protect them from the, the grasp of the Egyptians. But if, if they could just somehow or another keep the Jews in Egypt, then the Jewish God, no matter how many plagues he may bring, 
wasn't actually strong enough to be able to to wrestle them away from from the land and from the Egyptians. I mean, it, it sort of makes sense in a in a twisted way because it becomes it becomes like it just proves itself, right? Like if if we can keep them here, then they're still here, right? <laughs> like, right. But, and, and once that, they've left, then that, they... that even though that even though both because of hindsight and also because of our theological system, we look back at the entire plagues, at the whole system of plagues, and we say, can't everybody see where this is going? This is just going to get worse and worse and worse until you hit a breaking point. And at that breaking point, God is going to say, well, I'm just going to take you out. But if you're in a more pagan, or not pagan, but polytheistic sort of mindset, then you may have the belief that that ultimately your own gods in your own country are going to reign supreme even if some foreign god is able to run amok for a little while right it's like there's some terrorism afoot but law and order is gonna gonna kick ultimately, in right exactly right now it, so so you know this is also bound up with this cultural social sort of idea that if you're just going to serve your god and you're not really trying to run away you're just try- going to serve your god for a few days you only need the males you don't need the females. You don't need the kids. You don't need the uh, the elderly, which I, it's so interesting when you think of this specifically in the context of the Seder. I, I think like probably the average Jew has memories of the Seder as being a time when men, women, young and old, people you've known your entire life and your family members and grandparents and also just new people and new friends and new neighbors who happen upon your Seder table any given year are all kind of sitting around the table and you're all reading different pieces and reading different sections and everybody's obligated and all the mitzvahs and everybody's doing it together, which is just the the quintessential Jewish act, even though, of course, there are mitzvahs that not everybody's obligated in, and men and women differently, and, uh, and, and, and children not yet, and all of that. But when it comes to sort of the Jewish experience and what it means to be part of the religion and, and members of the tribe, everybody's included, everybody has the mandate, everybody needs to be involved. And that seems to be something that was just beyond the grasp of Pharaoh, of the advisors, of the Egyptians at large, and maybe that helps to explain what some of this back and forth is really about. If you if you can just somehow or another get yourselves out of here, you and your women and your children and your elderly and your animals, then you'll have no reason for ever coming back, and then your God can really take over. But until that point, we might still be able to exert control. And and this gets into what you wrote about on on your your blog post, Rabbi Bienenfeld dot com. It's a, Rabbi Jonathan. Rabbi Jonathan Bienenfeld. It was Rabbi Bienenfeld dot com taken, or or you just um, you like to? You know what? There are other Rabbi Rabbis Bienenfeld. Some of so, some of them are even related to you. Uh, some of them are. Uh, but anyway, the uh, but what you said in the name of of uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky that that I think we talked last year about like how it seems like Moshe is misleading. Paro saying we just want to go out for three days, but you wrote this, I, I thought, really great post about how maybe all they needed was three days just to like recharge their batteries, which right. sounds, I mean, sounds crazy in the face of of slavery, but it's, uh, but it was also going to be some crazy party. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, but also like just the, you know, the, <laughs> I mean, in, in, a, in a very, very different vein. Like, I mean, I was just talking to somebody at my, at my office who was away on Monday, uh, you know, taking a, a quick trip down to florida and i said i said i bet i bet florida seems like uh, a million years ago and she goes it does but it's still really really you know it's it's still really important to get away and so that's you know and her just having a weekend right. <laughs> having a weekend is really i mean god how how crazy would it be to never have a weekend to never have a break to have work every day i mean it's like that's where they were there's a whole other piece to that which is that um Yaakov kamenetsky also points to uh Midrashim that effectively Shabbos was plucked away. 
right? That, Ooh, that certainly they, makes sense. They had that the, had Shabbos, Shabbos was then taken, and that's why things started to de-escalate so quickly, and they were just really starting to lose it without having that at least that weekly that weekly break, and uh, and and that's why there was the need for them to be completely extricated and liberated rather than just being given this short time frame. Okay, and sorry, sorry if this is if this is obvious, but that that list that Moshe gives of we're going to go with the old and the young and the children and the and the animals, um, I mean that actually like mirrors what we say in Kiddush on Shabbos, right? Right, sure. That like you know you and your sons and your daughter, like the idea that Shabbos Shabbos is for everybody, uh, and Shabbos and, is a Chalitzias Mitzrayim. Well, exactly, exactly, and, and it's and it's it's such a it's such a powerful statement in the sense that. Shabbos is as the antidote to the slavery, right? Uh, and it's and it's for everybody. And 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 what you said is true that you know diff- people, you know, it may mean different things to different people, uh, you know, different times in their lives, different genders. But the fact of the matter is, is that that these things are are real. The slavery took its toll on everybody, and and freedom is for everybody, and Shabbos is for everybody, and and serving serving God is for everybody. So it's uh it th- that is a that's a powerful message to to us and and a, pro, a message of protest uh to paro so let's get to this question though about god hardening yeah so his I, heart. I wanted to actually come come full circle even on on this very point and and say the following that as much as yes we speak about paro's heart being hardened uh, i i don't know that there's the indication that that means that power became completely robotic. And I, and I think that's where this whole conversation that we've been having becomes very important, meaning that, that there was still some thought process. Could be that power was not quite as open to suggestion, wasn't as open to, to direction and to influence, and his, his heart wasn't as wide open as, uh, I mean, listen, we're all we're all closed-minded in our in our own ways, but you know this is he's being super closed-minded in this case, and yet there's still some sort of reasoning. There's still some sort of of logic or or uh, approach that he's undertaking here that is leading him to the the conclusions that he ultimately comes to. It, it's not that uh, against any any uh, uh, appropriate manner of thinking, he still is staunch and set in his ways. He does have an approach. He does have a way of, of looking at things and sort of interpreting things. Um, it's just, it's just wrong compared to the, the direction, which all other signs are actually pointing. So, so on one hand, I, I hear what you're saying. And I think it's very much in keeping with, with the idea that we have, um, Right, that that sort of you end up where you want to go. You know, literally that means in the direction that a person wants to go. That's where he. That's where he's led. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I I think that 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 that's what God. You could you could sort of I, I that strikes me as like a minimalist approach, saying that when it says because because it says literally, right? I'm I'm looking at uh, uh chapter eleven, verse ten. It says Hashem strengthened the heart of of Paro, and he did not send out the children of Israel from his land. Like so, a minimalist approach would be like, well, God is always doing that. God is always setting up the circumstances so that our personalities and the things that we want most deeply can manifest. Or you could say, well, you know, God is God is strengthening. But I I think of even a maximal, I guess a full maximalist approach would be like, God's pulling his strings. But I I think language like that of Vayechazek strengthened, right? Strengthening is like the direction you're already moving in, right? God, Paro doesn't, his, his, 
his inclination is to not let them leave because and it's so important to remember that he's a deity in his own mind or or at least the you know and and in the eyes and minds of many of his uh subjects and citizens yeah so i mean it is not a person who is used to not getting his way correct but and and i think you're right it, it, just with respect to the actual lashon just the the term and the terminology that's being used by is it's the strengthening of resolve, but you had to have been inclined towards a particular direction in the first place in order for that to be true. Right, and the the other language is right, hichbadati, right, and you know, make heavy, make his heart heavy, right, and that also sort of. I mean, it can't be moved. It's just it just becomes more difficult. Right, and but it also means keeping it where it is. Right, when something right. is weighed down, it's kind right. of there's inertia. So it's it's not a matter of it's not a matter of forcing him to do something he doesn't want to do. It's a matter of allowing him to maintain the resolve to to do what he what he actually wants to do which is to to maintain control and i mean that's a that's an interesting lesson in its own right the idea of too much control being a bad thing i mean it's a completely i sort of i'm sort of flipping the script and saying like what should we be learning learning from 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 paro in this in this regard but the idea that that of the sort of of strengthening r- resolve and and it's your I mean, it's, it's so obvious, I guess. Um, but I, I'm just like, sorry, I'm, I'm thinking on my feet here. But like this notion of stubbornness, of not changing what you do, it is it something we've encountered at all in the Torah before this? Like, is there anybody amongst the, the personalities we've encountered who is known for or we have any stories where a person like won't change their mind or a person, you know, acts out of, of stubbornness? I can't really... Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. Lavan, maybe, kind of, to some degree. Well, he's sort of ste- he's sort of steadfast in his in his uh, shenanigans, right? But 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 like he was a super in- duper. But it's interesting, like <laughs> yes. But the uh, but like but it's interesting that the 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 patriarchs in, in Sefer Brashit are are pretty flexible. I mean, we think about Avram Avinu getting down Incredibly to Egypt. Flexible. He yeah. gets down to Canaan and he has to go to Egypt. He hears you got to sacrifice your son and he he gets moving. Yitzhak, the you know, they 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 stuff up his wells. He he digs new he ones. He moves on. He These are does, it's, does do it's like it's fa- like, you know, Yaakov gets up Yaakov and Yaakov starts he, off as the the Ishtam Yoshev Ohalim. He's the he's the bookworm and then he becomes then he's the, then he becomes the trickster and then he and then he becomes, you know, the shepherd and then he moves to a completely new area and then he moves back and I mean they're all and, and then and then Yosef just found in so many different environments and arenas. Um, and, and, and they adapt and they adapt. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's kind of, I I think it's a fascinating contrast. The idea of that, that our heroes are our progenitors, the, the, um, the, the, the people who are the templates, right? The, the people, the, 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 the ones who founded everything. We, we never, I mean, obviously we know that they're steadfast in their commitment to, to God, but the form that that takes you know the situation where that where that happens. It's not like I mean, just it's so manifest in terms of the future of the Jewish people. Of oh, sure. we don't we don't have a temple. We're we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. And versus 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 this this fake god of of who's who's Pharaoh and who's who stands for something false. Who knows he stands for something false, right? We've spoken about that medrash before of him. You know, he sneaks out to the, down, Nile down to the Nile yeah. every morning to go to the bathroom so that no one... He knows he's not a god, but he's got to maintain the facade. He, so he's he stands for something false, and he knows it's false, and yet he, 
he's willing to to risk everything for it and yet and yet in contrast we have so many leaders who who stand for truth and yet they're able to take that truth and be so flexible and and malleable with it and and let it sort of radiate in in a hundred different circumstances yeah i think one of the things that's that's so remarkable about about this whole this whole image of this hardened heart that that it's so it's so interesting pyro wants to exert control he wants to be in control to such a degree that he finds himself enslaved to his own his own uh poor judgment or his own inability to to pry himself away that in the interest of keeping the the Jews and keeping the slaves at hand and keeping them in in Egypt he finds that he actually becomes a victim of his own of his own hardened heart so that the the obsession with keeping them there almost enslaves him as the as the uh as as the pawn in the scheme of his heart so an interest in in in, in trying to set out on a different course becomes impossible for him which i just think is so it's so it's so interesting that it, it calls into question the just the very definition of what it means to be free what it means to to have control we want to be able to have control over others and yet you have this this figure who's in control of millions and millions of people and is staunchly insistent that he maintains that control and in the process is only really able to do so because effectively he falls prey to and becomes the victim of his own his own heart his own interests his own desires that that all things being equal, he'd be best served actually breaking away from. I, I yeah, I think that that's a, a powerful message for us to to take into Shabbos and for us to conclude with the this idea of of freedom meaning flexibility, of freedom meaning the ability to to walk away from the things that you know in your heart are not real, and to and to embrace embrace the 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 freedom that everybody is entitled to, and and to. You know, that's the to, to not to not be not be not be paro to not be uh, su- subject in that way to to a real a real liberation. Is that a good place to end? Rocking. All right. Uh, the Portion Podcast is recorded in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, produced by Aaron Roller. Our theme music is The Magid's Niggin by Simply Tzvat. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends about it any way you can. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate us and leave a review. We are sponsored by the Prophet of Family Foundation. Follow the show on Facebook and have a good Shabbos. And remember, there is always more to learn. <laughs> <laughs>